lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Merry Christmas to all of you. We are live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin. Hopefully you guys had a great weekend. Same to all of you out there. If you want to let us know what you think about what we think, use the stevedace.com inbox. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new MeWe page as well. Uh, that is the free speech alternative to Facebook. You can like us there at uh, Steve Dace. And then there's our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's where you can get samples of the show that you can sample for yourself and then share with others if you would like to. And we would appreciate it if you do. But you may hate the show, but hey, your clicks will count just the same. So share what you hate about it to just as many people as those of you that like the show would. That helps us nevertheless what would also help us too is if you would make sure my kids get a christmas this year coming up a week from tomorrow my brand new book the novella sequel to a nefarious plot which we are turning into a movie as we speak a nefarious carol is released nationwide now brutal honesty between localized shutdowns um what bookstores are going to be open fulfillment centers etc I can't guarantee that the bookstore in your area, even if it's survived this year and is open, is going to carry the book. We're trying to get a handle on that. It's just unprecedented times. Thank you. Um, So here's one way to make sure, guarantee you're going to get the book. Go to Amazon.com right now. Pre-order the book. It comes out a week from tomorrow. Uh, You can read more about what the book is about there. Um, And... It it also has the audible version is out right now, too, if you want to take advantage of that. If you can't wait and you want to hear my oldest daughter and I read and portray uh, the plot of the book to you, uh, you can do that right now. And uh, it looks like this thing is going to sell pretty well based on our early indicators. Thank you very much to all of you. You have made a big step in making sure that the Dace kids will have a Christmas, but the job isn't done yet. Yes, I understand that. As their father, it is my duty to provide them a Christmas. But this is America in the 21st century. I'm not responsible for anything. I can cost shift and pass on my responsibilities to other people. And that's what I'm doing. I'm passing them on to you. Was that good? Was that good this time? It's always good. Is that? Yeah, okay. Aaron, I haven't asked you what you thought of these book pitches yet. What do you think? I think they're fantastic, and I expect the check to be in the mail anytime. Thank you very much. As long as the shamelessness keeps coming, I'll always give you an A+. I mean, I thought they were fantastic, too, but I love me some me, so I just wanted to get a second opinion from two guys I'm paying to like me. So you guys guys are totally down with this? Fantastic. You've had it parked there indefinitely like you know i some people you know back in the day and you had to like pay for mourners at your funeral when you had like no descendants or nobody liked you right i've got to pay for people to like me and that's what you guys are here you guys are paid to like me you know what i say about your coattails man and you're riding them regardless of size provided that the check just clears exactly that, that that as long as we're all clear on the arrangement here i'm cool with it all right coming up here at the bottom of the hour our good friend bob vanderplatz is going to join us from the family leader next hour it's our monday town hall it is our monthly parlor 
Ask Me Anything edition. So our parlor followers, you're going to set the agenda. Todd has gone through your questions that I have not seen any of, and he has selected the ones that uh, I will be asked to answer right off the top of my head coming up next hour. We always look forward to that. Also, are you looking forward to Christmas? Because the deadline is on its way. If you want to take advantage of this great offer from our friends over at Patriot Penguin, because if you're sick and tired of overpriced greeting cards that sound like they were written by Joe Biden's speechwriter, uh, those days are over. Thanks to Patriot Penguin. It's the first and only greeting card company for conservatives that also has a bigly sense of humor from birthdays to Christmas. Patriot Penguin has got you covered with a wide selection of cards that will trigger your friends and relatives and remind the like-minded that you're not drinking that mainstream Kool-Aid. And right now you can take advantage of their great offer of four cards for $22 with the offer code Steve at PatriotPenguin.com. But hurry, uh, you've got to place your order by December the 15th. That's a week from tomorrow in order to guarantee arrival before Christmas. PatriotPenguin.com. And again, PatriotPenguin.com. Use the offer code Steve to take advantage of this special deal. Let's get things kicked off with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Georgia. President Trump rallied for Rhino Senate candidates David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler over the weekend in Georgia. If you want to do something to them, I don't want to use the word revenge, but it is a certain revenge. To the Democrats, you show up and vote in record numbers. That's what you Speaking of the aforementioned Senate candidates, David Perdue thinks if he's elected, the Senate will have a much better shot at making deals with Nancy Pelosi. I think if we keep these two seats, we have an opportunity to do something that maybe we lost in the last administration between Pelosi and Trump. That was just a bridge too far to, to think that we were going to get them to negotiate. But here we have Biden and uh, McConnell, who are ex-colleagues in the Senate, who are known negotiators, who, if Biden can get away from this extreme part of his party, he might make some deal. Kelly Loeffler, meanwhile, debated her Democratic counterpart, Raphael Warnock. Look, I'm not going to be lectured by someone that uses the Bible to justify abortion, to attack our men and women in the military. He has called on Americans to repent for their worship of whiteness. That's divisive. That's hurtful. Checking in on the intersection of big tech and journalism, the New Yorker's Steve Call has some interesting thoughts on freedom of speech. You know, those of us in journalism uh, have to come to terms with the fact that free speech, a principle that we hold sacred, is being weaponized against uh, the principles of journalism. And what do we do about that? Coronavirus news. Now, this is pretty important. The state of Florida is now requiring all laboratories in that state to report their cycle threshold values for COVID-19 testing. Reading between the lines here, Florida may become the first state to actually test for infectious cases, not just the presence of viral artifacts and anybody who shows up for a test. It's something to keep an eye on. The CDC's own website states that reported flu hospitalizations are too low right now to generate an estimate on the number of hospitalized cases in the United States. Why is this flu news under coronavirus news? You know why. Dr. Stephen Latulipe, a medical doctor based out of Oregon, has had his medical license revoked by the Oregon Medical Board for his outspoken criticism of mask wearing. The medical board took action after the doctor showed up at a pro-Trump rally and told the crowd he never wears a mask and that his medical practice has had no problems. In California, this video went viral recently from a restaurant owner pointing out the double standards for what can be open and what can't. And I come in today because I'm organizing a protest and I came in to get 
stuff for that. And I walk into my parking lot and obviously Mayor Garcetti has approved this being set up for, this being set up for, for a movie company. I'm losing everything. Everything I own is being taken away from me. And they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio, which is right over here. Look at this. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me as a slap in my face, that's safe. This is safe. 50 feet away. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo tweets, hospitalizations are going up. Wear a mask. New York has had a mask mandate since April 17th. And now, does it woke? Reviewing videos from across the internet and determining if they woke. We head to Bend, Oregon, where a group of protesters were gathered to speak out against continued lockdowns and virus mitigation mandates in the state. The protesters were having themselves a nice little protest when this scene unfolded. A woman rolls up and proceeds to educate the crowd on why they're wrong, so that's plus one point for what's a woman. Moving on, we see great measures of compassion from this non-gender-specific humanoid, so that's plus three points. Also, he, she, it has pulled down their mask in order to better educate the crowd, so that's plus two points for sensitivity to the hearing impaired. He, she, or it then calmly explains to the crowd that they're a teacher. That's another plus two points for fostering the next generation. Throughout the entire video, you can just hear the non-gender specific life forms, great deal of passion, care, and respect for all people. So that's another three points for caring very loudly. At the end, however, the non-gender specific life form drives away in its Subaru Crosstrek, which has a measly 26 combined city highway mileage, so that's minus five point. Despite the gratuitous pollution of Mother Earth from this Subaru driving loudly, caring, compassionate a teacher of your kids, this video is still very woke, garnering six net woke points. And that's what happened while we were away. That video. Here we have Karen, of course, driving a Subaru. <laughs> Karen, of course, driving a Subaru. And a teacher, I'm confident, is in good standing with the union. Taking her mask off with the window open. Taking her mask off in order to go full PBCS. That is pre-branch Covidian syndrome. I mean, that is as 2020 as 2020 gets right there. If the people who own all the guns are not getting rolled by the dweebs that they swirled in high school, then it's Karen just running over you while you make viral videos pointing out hypocrisy. There's just running you over while you're like, but I've got this viral video. I mean, here's Karen and her Subaru running you over. Being directed to by the dweeb that you gave swirlies to of the chocolate variety in high school. But your guns are at home and you're making viral lamentation videos. So 
That's as 2020 as 2020 gets. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you are going into the real estate market during these, wait for it, unprecedented times, Bing. then you need to make sure you have an agent that you can trust. Now, where would you find such a person? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's a website and company started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates because they got tired of dealing with real estate agents who certainly talked a good game. But then when they were needed the most, did not deliver the promised results. And so these are agents all over the country whose track record of success has been fully vetted. Otherwise, they would not be referred to you. These are agents that are working for you, not you for the agent. So before you go into the market, head over, get an agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, coming up in the overtime today. Actually, I forgot to tell you guys this, so you're going to hear this with the rest of the audience. Um, uh, um, the Georgia Senate runoff election is like the most important Senate runoff election of our lifetimes, right? Yes. Okay. And one of the candidates was on a televised debate saying, I think we're going to get more things done with Joe Biden as president than, than Trump. That's the message? Yes. At the same time that you're being told you're a fool, you're dumb, you're stupid. I mean, I've seen all these words being used in my Twitter feed, including by some people that I like. You're dumb, you're a fool, you're stupid if you're any kind of a Republican or non-communist in, in Georgia and you don't vote for Purdue or Loeffler. Right? That These things are simultaneously occurring. Correct. correct? Okay. Um, I, I would like to see if we could make sense of that. Because I'm, I'm not sure how the message of America ends if you lose the Georgia Senate runoff. I, I could have sworn America ended if you lost the presidential election. <laughs> this thing's ended so many times I can't keep track. <laughs> it's like I just caught it. It's like that scene at the end of... Um, uh, Doctor Strange, where he keeps coming back to defeat yes. Dormammu. Yes, yes. Dormammu, I'm back. Yes. <laughs> this is the most important election of your lifetime, Dormammu. <laughs> yes. And again, I, I, I think it would be best if we're going to have that close of a house to give the Republicans that. They have some form of grid. But, but my message is to do it for gridlock. And the guy running's message is, vote for me to cut deals. Um, David Perdue will save us. Yeah, I, I, um, no, no, I, I, I'm interested in total gridlock. Gridlock's my favorite form of government. I would take gridlock over total Republican control of government because we know what total Republican control of government gets you. Gnashing disappointment. That's what it gets you. You get gnashing disappointment from total Republican control of government. You get gnashing rectal pain from total Democratic control of government. It appears the only thing that doesn't come with a cream is gridlock. Not saying it's good. It just doesn't appear to be all that bad. All right. It's David Perdue's poor man version of the art of the deal. He's right. Th- right. But I, I mean, I'm watching my buddy Ted Cruz and other people like, we got to, we have to keep control of the Senate to gum up the work so the Democrats don't run everything. And one of the Senate candidates is out there saying, at a debate, at a debate that millions of people in the state are going to watch, he's out there saying, Dude, I really I'm looking forward to cutting some deals with old Dementia Joe. 
Is there the something who, wrong with me that those messages are not reconcilable? Or is it, am I the problem? The guy who since uh, the election has said, yeah, I think eight-year-olds should be able to trans themselves. Seems reasonable. Seems like a honest broker. All right, so, so we are going to discuss this in the overtime. See if you can find someone smarter than me that can point out to me what the message is for winning in Georgia. I, I would like to know what it is. Because I, I thought I knew what the message was, but then the candidate told me that's not the message. Um. Okay. Can you help me with that? We're going to do that today in the overtime. All right. So if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, stay right there at blazetv.com slash dace. We're going to tape it after today's show. And then it'll be uploaded and you can watch it on demand later on. If you're not yet, though, a Blaze TV subscriber, as I bump my microphone like it's my first day on the job. Uh, if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, go to blazetv.com slash Dace and get a discounted subscription today when you go there to blazetv.com slash Dace. Let me tell you what I think is the most important uh, news story that broke over the weekend that has gotten very, very little coverage. It's the decision that Florida has made from the Department of Health down there that it's going to require labs across the state to report what the cycle threshold is on a positive test. Now, over the weekend, Oxford University, you remember them, the podunk, juco, full of epidemiologists, numerous of them, by the way, who think shutdowns and lockdowns are stupid and don't work. Um, last year, Oxford was rated by U.S. News and World Report the number one university on this planet. It was rated the number one university in the world, Oxford. Okay? Um, you know, the school Rob Lowe went to and crushed it on the rowing team. Uh, Oxford published a systematic review over the weekend. That says any positive PCR test with a cycle virus or viral threshold above 30 should not be considered a positive test and even use the phrase, quote, non-infectious. Now, for those of you that are new here or don't recall, let me reset this for you. Back in August, back in August, the New York Times did a massive feature that we said on this show at the time was a game changer. But we're dumb. Because that assumed like anybody still cares what the truth of anything is. <laughs> My bad. My bust. We don't. <laughs> All right. So it kind of makes that slogan over my shoulder a little trite. Um, uh, um, if, if we're on brand for America in this day and age, it ought to be truth be ridiculed here. Truth be not welcomed here. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Abandon truth for certain. Anyway, the New York Times did a survey of several states around the country. And what they found is that a lot of states still included a cycle virus threshold score of 35 or higher as a positive test. Some states up to 40. Now, what does that mean? Let me, let me simplify the process for you as best I can. It's like if you took out your phone. All right. Now, I, I want to take a picture of something over there off the set. Okay. But, you know, from where I'm sitting right here, I, I can't get a good look at it. And so what do I do? I zoom in manually on my phone, right, to get the best look that I can. 
right? When they're looking at your sample after they do the swab or what have you, when they're looking at your sample, the cycles represent how many times do they zoom in on your sample to detect the virus. That's what it means. And of course, they've got to zoom in quite a, a few times because these are microscopic organisms, right? Okay. Well, what Oxford is saying is that if you're zooming in more than 30 times, that is a non-infectious person. Now, we have actually known that about viral outbreaks, pretty much every other viral outbreak for many, many years now. Again, for reasons that are probably all bad, we are treating this viral outbreak differently than any other one. We are acting like a virus whose kill rate is overwhelmingly people above the median age of life expectancy in America. We are acting as if this virus is somehow different. Now, to begin with, you can give people the benefit of the doubt because the concern was that it, that it, that especially if you don't know if the virus is a designer virus or not is man-made or not right you don't know we didn't know that in march and april we probably still don't but we've watched it we've seen it interact with populations enough to get an, a pretty good idea of its behavior in march or april maybe you don't know maybe it is a designer virus and maybe it is Maybe it is a sleeper cell virus. A whole bunch of asymptomatic people get it, go home, and we're off to the races. We didn't know that in March and April, did we? No. Do we know that now after nearly a year? Yes. We've watched this virus behave in cultures all over the world. And we have not seen huge swaths of asymptomatic spread. There have been numerous studies pointed out that, said, that, have, that have pointed out, published studies that have pointed out, Asymptomatic spread of this virus isn't really a thing. The numbers are scant. Anthony Fauci himself said in January, before this whole thing got politicized, there's never been a major viral outbreak spurred on by asymptomatic spread. Remember when you read The Stand as a kid? That guy that escaped the military institution with, with, with captain trips? He wasn't driving around America infecting people feeling great guys he was sick the whole time okay so maybe in march and april you needed to dial up the cycle viral threshold not knowing what you're dealing with but we have been through now this virus for almost 300 days we have been through seasonality curves of this virus on second or third waves in many places around this country, let alone around the world. We have a pretty good idea how this virus behaves now. And it kind of behaves like every other virus. There are, as Scott Atlas said on the show, back on the 1st of April, we have established laws of virology, immunology, and biology for a reason. Fine. You don't trust the shy comms. You're not sure that this is some kind of military operation. Cool. Then let's find out. But it's not April 7th today. It is December 7th today. As Aaron pointed out in his montage, the governor of New York, who I was assured by Anthony Fauci had licked coronavirus and was a model to follow for the rest of the country, is now warning us that hospitalizations are going back up. Well, how can this be? There has been a mask mandate in place in New York State 
counting today for 234 days. 234 days. 234 days of masks. And that wasn't good enough to stop what's going on with hospitalizations in New York now, which is even assuming he's telling the truth about that. Because as I shared with you in a Twitter thread I put out there earlier today from someone else, we're getting lied to again about hospital data, just like we did with the Sunbelt wave last summer. That these hospitals everywhere are overrun, blah, 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 blah. Remember the stories early early on in the pandemic, we built all these uh, field hospitals in places like Seattle, and then they got closed down without ever seeing a patient. That's all happening again. Every If you're within the sound of my voice, you need to go to your legislature, go to your governor, go to your Department of Health. You guys are always asking me, Steve, what can we do? Here's what you need to do. You know, I have said all along, this isn't going away until we make it go away, right? Yes. And when I say it, I mean the silly, draconian, don't work mitigation strategies. Every state in the country, when I get off the air today, I'm going to my governor, as a matter of fact. Every state in the country ought to be able to tell you what their psychoviral threshold is for a positive test. The world's leading epidemiologist, Didier Rayalt, said way back in March, we do not need a psychoviral threshold for coronavirus higher than 32. Unfortunately, later on, about a week or so later, Didier Rialt said something positive about hydroxychloroquine, so we can't count on him and trust him any longer, right? But this has been known for quite a while. Props to the Florida Department of Health, Governor Ron DeSantis, This should be going on in every state in this country because this gets to the heart of why we're quarantining healthy people. That healthy asymptomatic people may never have any symptoms, which by the way, we just had 148-year-old Charles Grassley in our home state. Get it, right? Isn't he back to work in the Senate already? Yeah. Okay. Um, But that was what we were told, right? Yeah. That all these asymptomatic people might go home and kill grandpa and grandma, right? Right. Well, if you're not infectious above a psychoviral threshold of 30, then there's no point in quarantining all these healthy people, locking them down, social distancing them, correct? Correct. It's a pointless exercise then. This gets to the heart of all of our failed mitigation strategies. That they're failing for two reasons. One I pointed out to you a couple of weeks ago. They're based on a canard known as asymptomatic spread. The second reason is the testing sensitivity level. What is it in your state? Go be a nuisance and find out. You should be able, every state in the union, you're paying those salaries. They should be able to tell you what is the cycle viral threshold for a positive test in your state. And it certainly shouldn't be above 30, 32 at the most. And this would also explain why you have all these positive tests on all these college campuses with very, very few hospitalizations. These are non-infectious people. I was just in Florida 
a three a few weeks ago. Went to Disney World every day for a week. I didn't have to get swabbed to go in. Before I walked in, what did I have to do to walk in? My temperature checked. Why? Because prior to March 11th of 2020, what did all sentient beings in the nine realms all know was the first sign of someone being a spreader? What did we all know it was? What what was it? Fever. A fever. If you have a family with multiple children and one of them is says they don't feel good, what's the first thing that you check? Temperature. Particularly if they're sharing a bedroom, what's the first thing you check? Temperature. Why? What's the first sign of infection? Fever. Fever, contagion, fever. Yes. Yes. Which is why Fauci way back in the day, when the press even uh, asked Dr. Fauci, well, why are you guys just casually sharing a microphone? Remember that? Yes. And Fauci just said, oh, well, that's not how this works. And he was right at the time. (laughs) So what has changed? It's ironic when we didn't have real data about this virus, Anthony Fauci was totally fine with with following the established. He sounded an awful lot like Scott Atlas in January and February when we didn't know a damn thing. And now we have almost an entire year of data. And he sounds like the desk on CNN. Why? Because we're not doing science here. Make sure your state is. Find out. Be a pest and a nuisance. What's the viral threshold for a positive test in your state? Because that's the whole ballgame. You know, we probably had more focus on our health this year than ever before because of what's been going on and also for those that we love. So what happens though after? Um, How do we plan to ensure that our body's immune system is ready for winter and beyond? And when we are reminded that we didn't actually cure the flu, uh, despite the fact it has mysteriously just and utterly disappeared from all of our data. Well, that's where we need to make sure we're making the right choices. We have the right habits. That's where Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition comes in. It's loaded with antioxidants. Field of Greens packed with 18, count them, 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables. That includes uh, green tea, uh, beets, and other things that help to produce a powerful combination that not only supports heart health, but a healthy immune system. If you looked at coronavirus, for example, people with heart issues, people with diabetes, um, autoimmune, those were the things that this virus goes after and targets the most. You're the most susceptible to it with those pre-existing conditions. Some of that can be confronted just by making healthier choices. Plus, there's uh, this is loaded with pre and probiotics. Largest immunity system in the body is in the gut. So just one scoop of Field of Greens and any water-based drinks turn up and you're good to go. That one serving will give you the a far greater, more dense version of fruits and vegetables than the average American gets a day in their diet. Try it right now at BrickHouseSteve.com. Get 15% off of your first order with the promo code Steve. 15% off of your first order with the promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Let's welcome in our good friend Bob Vanderplas from The Family Leader. How are you, my friend? Doing really well. By chance, was that your high school nickname, BrickHouse Steve? Uh, no, I had several nicknames in, in <laughs> high school. I'm not sure several of them I can 
repeat here. But they okay. weren't brick house. No, they, they 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 were not brick house. No, um, I I I'm gonna do something I didn't tell you I was gonna do. You always purpose. do that. But I, go I ahead. like to do that. I like to do that. I'm gonna take you probably off of topic of what we were going to. You probably assume we were gonna talk about. And I want to get. I'm going to bring you in here because I know you didn't get a chance to listen to what I was just talking about. So it's like the old days with Richard Dawson on the family feud, right? You have like the final feud all right? and and like the other family member has, is in a soundproof room and can't hear your answer. Ding, ding, ding. Right. All right. All right. So you have no idea what I just laid out. And I, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is with the audience because I urged them to do something no matter where they live in their state that I think would go a long way towards restoring sanity and normalcy in America. And I'm going to bring you into that conversation now because you happen to know the governor of this state better than I do, right? Mm -hmm. Is that safe to say? I think so. Okay. The biggest story in the country that happened over the weekend has nothing to do with uh, a Trump rally, a voter fraud, the Georgia runoff election, which we're told we have to win in order to have uh, a blockade against Democratic control. But then one of the Georgia Senate candidates, David Perdue, in his debate over the weekend said he actually thinks he's going to be able to cut better deals with Joe Biden. I, I don't even do you know what to do with that? <laughs> I don't. Do you, do you know what to do with that? I mean, I was I was saying to these guys, I mean, Cruz, Cruz is like everywhere in the media right now. We have to win these Senate runoffs. Right. We have to stop. We got to stop the Democrats from having total control. Very powerful message. Right. I'm with Cruz on that. But yeah. you know, go ahead. But, but then what do you do when the candidate comes out and says, guys, I'm, I'm I think I'm going to cut better deals with Joe Biden than I did Donald Trump. What do you do with that? Well, hopefully your better deals. You're going to stop a lot of stuff that they're trying to do. Yeah. That, is that a I mean, I, I'm not some sage political expert. All right. And I didn't save a bunch of money at a uh, at a Holiday Inn Express nor with Geico Insurance. OK, but. You tell me, is that a good turn out the vote message? Absolutely not. Especially, okay, I didn't think it was, but I wasn't entirely sure. Especially right? when you have President Trump coming to your town to do a rally. It's yeah. not like, I'm going to cut better deals with Biden. Yeah. Uh, All right. I just, it seemed odd to me. You bet. Okay. But it's 2020. So I know maybe you're laughing over there, Todd. Why? <laughs> you think it's more obvious than I was letting on? I just like how broken you are. Yeah. That's all. It, it's family feud, and Todd's saying that was not a good answer. No, no. <laughs> There's no good answer. Good you got answer. a zero on that, yes. <laughs> all right, so the state of Florida yesterday, my, my man, Ron DeSantis, who I met one time when he was a congressman at CPAC, Daniel Horowitz introduced me to him. That's the only time I've met him, all right? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have any personal relationship. I'm just, I'm enjoying what he's doing right now, okay? His Department of Health announced over the weekend that every positive test now in the state of Florida, what is it, third largest state in the country? Mm -hmm. 20 some odd million people live there. Okay. Every positive test in the state of Florida is now going to have to report the cycle viral threshold for a positive test. Now, as I reminded the audience, here's why that is important. The cycle viral threshold, a cycle means how many times they had to zoom in on your sample before they detected the virus. And obviously, I got to zoom in numerous times because we're looking for microscopic organisms. Sure. Right? So it's not like, well, Steve, you know, why don't they just look at it once? Why do I keep knocking my mic? Aaron's going to kill me. Why do we just, why don't we, why do we keep looking at it once or twice? Well, these things are microscopic, atomic. All right. So you got to look at it a few times. 
it probably a couple I mean, dozen times. And so there could be some false positives and, in here as well. Absolutely. But Oxford University over the weekend published a systematic review that echoed what the New York Times story said back in August about the sensitivity of our PCR testing. That if you have Oxford specifically said, now, are, are you aware of them as an institution of higher learning? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I had a you, son that went to Oxford. So you know that like anybody can get in there then, right? <laughs> He's All way right. brighter than I am. Okay. Yeah, but so, but it, it has some repute, right? Sure. There's, there's something to it. I mean, last I looked in the world university rankings, it was ranked number one, but I mean, that, that could be fake news, right? Okay. Let, let's assume it's somewhere in the top 20 in the world, somewhere. Yeah. If not, number one. Okay. Oxford University published a systematic review over the weekend, which found if you have a psychoviral threshold above 30, it even used the term, quote, non-infectious, unquote. Now, here's why that matters. The whole point to our mitigation strategy, if you don't believe it's a PSYOP and you don't believe it's about control or it's about huge masses of wealth transfer from small business owners that tend to vote Republican to large corporations and big uh, that uh, companies that tend to vote Democratic, right? Like somehow your locally owned grocery store can't stop people from getting the virus, but Lowe's and Home Depot can, right? Mm-hmm. Or Walmart, right? Okay. Provided you don't believe it's about any of those things, but it is. Provided you don't though, but you think it's really just a sincere, earnest effort to mitigate a new virus. But provided you think that, okay, fine. Um, the whole the whole gambit here is uh, healthy people are going to get this virus, show no symptoms, and go home and kill grandma and grandpa, right? Right. Or kill, kill Uncle Ted or Uncle Glenn uh, with his autoimmune disease, our, you know, our, our, our precious Glenn Beck, that we were all going to go kill him with his autoimmune, so he had to live at home and broadcast from a bunker for five months, right? That That's what we were told, right? Well, if, if maybe the reason a whole bunch of people with, that are asymptomatic are testing positive is they have psychoviral threshold levels at 35 or 40, as the New York Times pointed out. And or now, above 30. Or above 30. Um, but the New York Times said we're, some states are going up to 40. I don't know what it is in Iowa. Do you know? I don't. I think we need to find out, and we need to find out pronto. I think every state in the country ought to be doing what Florida is doing at the very least. And now maybe, maybe we won't like the results. Like maybe there's not as many people testing positive over 30 as we think. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's not, but don't you think we deserve to know what those results are? Well, be good because have- our, a lot of businesses are being told to end their way of life over this gambit. I think we need to know this information in every state in the country. No, I, I would agree with you. Matter of fact, I think it'd be good for us to have two classifications. You know, what was your viral threshold? You know, and so therefore we know if you're really contagious or you're not contagious. But we've also said that, Steve, about when you go to Disney World, what do they do? They take your temp. Mm-hmm. And if your temp is high, you don't get in. If your mm-hmm. temp isn't high, you can come on in. What do they do at Lifetime where I go to work out or go to swim? They do the same thing. They take your temp. And if you have a high temp, they don't let you in. Uh, if you have a green light, you go ahead and go on in. The whole thing is about are you sick or are you not? What we or say, are you contagious or yeah. are you not? What's one symptom that a human being has that indicates they're more likely to be contagious fever. than if they're not? If they have a fever. A fever. Yeah. And so we say that even here at the family. Listen, guys, if you're sick, if you're not feeling well, if you're whatever, you know, don't come in. Uh, but otherwise, uh, let's come on in. And so um, we haven't been that way. I think the thing that uh, you mentioned early on, I 
I think even the governor here in Iowa, you know, if it's mask or if it's whatever to say, let us get back to work, let us get back to doing things. If that's what it's going to take, let us do it. But at some point we need to determine, is this working or not working? Because I'm telling you what, even when I watched the NFL football games yesterday, I'm all masked up until I want to Mm-hmm. yell at somebody and then I take my mask. Oh, mm-hmm. Does that mean coronavirus <laughs> says yep. when you're, when you've got a hot temper, you know, you're no longer contagious. Not so to mention if they all, they can't get on the field without testing negative, no players, right. coaches, support staff, anybody. Right. Okay. So, so if you're all negative and they're, and they're testing the day of the game. Yeah. So if everybody in the entire facility is negative, why are they wearing masks? Who would get the virus if they're all negative? Know what I'm saying? Yeah. What sense does that even make? By the way, the, uh, the Kansas city chiefs, Premier franchise in the NFL right now, which is which, which as a league is probably getting better health care than the average American, wouldn't you say? I my guess is they would be. Not one, not two, not three, not four, five, six, seven false positives reported by the Kansas City Chiefs over the weekend. Seven false positives. How many false positives are down the street at doctors now? Oh, I or, think or any, a lot do- of or any doctors now in America kind of place, any kind of clinic in America, how many yeah. false positives? Do you well, without question, I believe, believe that's the case. And to give you another example, Steve, I think you know that uh, we just went with our board and executive team members went to the Cove in Asheville, North Carolina. We all boarded a plane. These weren't, you know, uh, only 60% capacity. I mean, the plane was fairly full, flew into Charlotte. The airport was fairly full. We did our stuff at uh, the Billy Graham Evangel- Evangelistic Association. We toured the library, went to the Cove, where other groups were. And from what I tell, there wasn't sick people there. And now we're two and a half weeks post, and nobody's got COVID. And to you say, had like the first indoor political event in the country? We had two of them. Yeah. I mean, we had the leadership summit in July, but we also had the vice president event October 1st. The big thing we always told people, exercise common sense. If you're not feeling good, don't be here. Mm -hmm. But if you're feeling good, come on and enjoy what's happening. And I think it's a big deal of it is that because their fear or the thing that I'm hearing from people that are my neighbors and stuff is the fear is, are we going to be in continuous lockdown? Because now it's after COVID, do I get the flu? Yes. Sorry about that. I'm not the only one knocking stuff off. Guys need a Christmas tree? (laughs) Right here. But this this is the question. It's a good catch. What, what are the that was a good catch? Cat like <laughs> reflexes. Thank um, you. What what is the barometer that we would know we've it, it's over? What would we know by? And to me, this is why this is why I'm urging you in front of all of our viewers and listeners. Let us go to our governor and say we need to follow Ron DeSantis's lead in Florida. I'll be happy to do that. And we need to know because we need to start setting benchmarks. It was to, in order for us to know when do we win. Right. Mm-hmm. We all know what a loss looks like. Somebody gets sick, gets hospitalized, dies. dies you we, bet. we know what an L we know how we know what the L is. Do you know what the W is? Because the W was originally flatten the curve. Then it was slow the spread. Then it was wait for the vaccine. Now we're told we have to after if the vaccines even work. Still need masks in the social distance. When, when, what is a win? We need to start with a baseline. I need to know and everybody in this audience needs to know what is considered a positive test in your state because the number one university on this planet says that if you are testing above a 30 you are not infectious so then why are we doing these mitigation efforts and i totally agree with you and i think you're you're well to point out what is you know what is a win because we don't know what that is right now and i believe our governor has exercised a lot of common sense during this whole process uh there's no doubt she wants this economy going i just talked to our boys uh you've got the the big 12 championship game iowa state's in it 
and a lot of people can't go who would like to go to that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the Iowa Hawkeye team, who's ranked in the top five. They, basketball. Yeah, basketball. Yeah. They could be a Final Four team, and you might not be able to go. you got vice president, or you got uh, former Vice President Biden, who's going to be potentially the president, who's raised saying on December 7, 100 days of mask. Why? I mean, they, they had 234 days of masks yeah. in New York, yeah. and they're complaining yeah. about hospitalization mm-hmm. soaring all over again. But my question to that, Steve, is that how do you know that on December 7, that after you get inaugurated on January 20, we have to go on 100 days of masks? Why? I mean, who knows that? That's exactly. See, what I think is going on is the mask is a political fig leaf. Sure it is. It, it makes it look like I'm doing something by making you do it. And then if the cases go down, see, I told you mask work. And if they don't, you didn't mask up enough. It makes it lets politicians do what they love to do more than anything else, which is absolve themselves from any accountability, make it look like they're doing something and pass the buck of blame on to you. That's what it is. 234 days of mask and Cuomo is out there tweeting over the weekend, hospitalization soaring in New York, mask up. Why didn't the, if, 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 why massive compliance doesn't undergird or reinforce a community against the spread of a virus for 234 days of preemptive action. Mm-hmm. Tell me what the hell 100 days of Joe Biden's signature would do. Well, you're exactly right. And so what we're seeing is that, OK, now the, the curve is going back up. So we flatten the curve because you guys were doing great at social distancing. You're masking up. You're all that stuff. See all that curves flattening. All of a sudden it starts to spike saying, you guys got reckless. You guys got complacent. You guys got tired. You guys got whatever. And so I think the deal is, I think you're right to say, what is the win and what determines should we be quarantined or not quarantined? And when can we get back to our life again? So let's let's all go to our governors, our Department of Health, especially with the president now from Florida, third largest state in the union. Over This is not some, you know, with Christy a lot Nome, of old people, Christy Nome, South Dakota, easy for fine. This is one of the most metropolitan states, largest populations, largest elderly populations in the country. If they can produce this information, there is no reason the other 49 states can't. At least let's start with a baseline of information. What is considered a positive test in our state? And maybe we won't like the numbers we'll get. Maybe we'll find that a lot of we're not counting anything above a 30 or a 32. Okay, yeah. well, then we'll have to go somewhere else then. But let's at least start that with a baseline. It is time to start asking ourselves, when do we know we win? When is a win? Totally agree. And can we do Christmas again? <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Well, they took away Thanksgiving. Are yeah. they going to take away Christmas too? How about Debbie Burke saying, if you had any family over for Thanksgiving, assume you're all infected. I, I just... I got to tell you, man, I have an unbiblical level of hatred for some of these people. I, and I, you think it's funny. No, I do not think I, it's funny. I, I'm not I'm, joking at all. I'm laughing because... It is, it is, it's just, it, it's like being in the process. It's like it's like I'm standing at the top of the Valley of Elah listening to Goliath. And I'm just like, will no one go shut this uncircumcised Philistine up? And the rage just boils. Pray for me. I will pray for I, you. I, and I do pray for you. I, I, well, I, I need it. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. God bless. I will come back. It's our monthly parlor. Ask me anything when we return. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Totters, and Aaron McIntyre. They're here with me as well. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. 
That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor. We're going to hear a lot more from Parlor this hour. Follow me on Parlor, the free speech alternative to Twitter at Steve Dace. Check out our new MeWe page at Steve Dace as well. That's the free speech alternative to Facebook. And then there's our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you as well. If you haven't done these things yet, please give us a five star review hit that subscribe button the more of you do that the more it helps the show to grow and we want to thank all of you for doing those two things for us this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at keeps who know that losing your hair is no fun so let's talk about options here's option one you go see your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription then visit the pharmacy trying not to go broke while you're trying not to go bald or option number two is Keeps, which you can do all from the comfort of your own home. Uh, You'll get the same doctor-recommended, FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but Keeps has the generic version, so you're going to get those for about half of the cost. And one more thing you can love about that Keeps is the convenience factor. Just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. It's all online, and then it's shipped directly to your door. So the generic versions for big savings, the convenience factor. How about one more incentive? Half off your first order. 50% half off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow. That's K-E-E-P-S for keeps.com slash grow. All right, it's our Monday Town Hall. This week, we have Parlor on deck for the Ask Me Anything for the Monday Town Hall. Our Parlor followers have submitted a series of questions. Todd, you have gone through them. I don't even know how many we received. I, I, I want these all blind. I think that's the most fun every week is if I don't know what's coming. There were a lot, perhaps more responses than hmm. ever before on any platform. And if I may, before Steve gets going... I'd like to quote the great Cuba Gooding Jr. about our parlor uh, question uh, askers. You are hanging on by a very thin thread, and I dig that about you. There's some crazy questions out there. Is that what you're thinking? Well, they're they're not crazy questions. They're totally sober-minded questions for our times. But these people are like, if you need... You need your frontline army. Like, when do we lock and load? They're taking it to the limit. Is that what you're saying? They're they're lit. All right. Uh, By the way, I've got like one third of the following on Parler that I do on Twitter. And the level of engagement I get from Parler compared to Twitter for posts and things of that nature, it's just not even close. With one third of the following. Not even close. All right. So, Todd, you've submitted the questions. I have. Aaron, you have them. I do. Let's rock and roll. We'll start with Prima Fauci Evidence, who says... That's a great name. It is. Do you think it's possible that a silver lining that could come out of all this is that Americans might start paying much more attention to local elections the way it was meant to be? You know what? I hadn't thought about that. And part of it is that I'm really not in any mood for finding silver linings these days. <laughs> All right, I've I've lost my silver linings playbook. Um so I I hadn't thought about that. Because I think a lot of attempts at silver linings come across as really really hokey, trite, you know what I mean? Um but that one has some substance to it. And yeah, when you're talking about boards of health 
um, county commissioners. I mean, just look at what went on in Nashville with their local health board when the emails came out that they knew that bars and restaurants were not spreader events for the virus, but they were just going to keep that quiet and keep them closed anyway. I mean, that became a national story, right? But that was done through local muckraking, through local activism and peskiness. So I, I think you might have found... A, a rare jewel, brother, uh, in a legitimate, not I'm trying too hard or I'm being sarcastic or I am being Hallmark Channel trite. You might have come up with a substantive silver lining to this year that it is a reminder in the end that all politics is local. And, you know, we're all worked up about a Georgia runoff all throughout conservative media, but how many of these people live in Georgia? Almost none of us do, right? And then how much of our audiences are actually going to be, we're acting like this is like a presidential election and all hands on deck everywhere. It's really a municipal, you know, uh, parochial election unique to just Georgia. So, uh, yeah, it has national implications, but... People, I have a lot of respect for their work. Will Chamberlain at uh, Human Events, for example, or Kurt Schlichter, people at Town Hall, people like that. They can they can go to work living outside of Georgia and 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 max out their platforms for that Senate runoff all they want. But when the Republican nominee goes on na- on statewide television and addresses the actual voters on camera. And says, I'm looking forward to making better deals with Joe Biden than I could under Donald Trump. It doesn't matter that Kurt Schlichter and Will and all these people have a million followers. How many of them are going to vote in Georgia? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. And, and, and David Perdue reached a lot more people with a don't vote for me message than if all these people in conservative media with national platforms are leveraging their platforms for that election. Because again, the local impact of that is going to far move far more voters one way or the other than anything Kurt or Will or these kinds of people tweet out about the importance of this election. So, yeah, I, I think maybe you have found a legitimate silver lining there. So, well done. We'll move on. Next is Ida Hoosier 2000, who says, being that most soups, stews, casseroles, and the manna from heaven, leftover meat lump sandwiches are better the next day, what in the hell happened to your life to despise leftovers so much? Um, it's a legitimate question. I don't get the attraction to them, number one. But... Number two, it was my refrigerator growing up, man, had all these like butter dishes and Tupperware dishes just filled with food all of the time. And you'd open it up, man, and like the roast that was in the crock pot would sit, you'd open it up and it would sit in there and the, the grease that it was cooked in starts larding. It was just nasty. Okay. Nasty, 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 nasty. Did you have a microwave? It just, I, once you smell that, I can't unsmell it. And I can, you know what? There's certain events in your life, like I have a hard time remembering stuff from two or three years ago, but this moment from the fall of 1982, I remember 
vividly. It scarred me. All right. We're living in Orlando, Florida. Don't laugh, Erzin. I remember this like it was yesterday, man. I think I included this question so I could laugh. Okay. We're living in Orlando, Florida, and it's the first, like the opening weekend of the NFL. And I'm a brand new fan. I'm I'm not even 10 years old yet. And it's like 110 degrees outside. And I think the pool at the apartment complex you're living in was like closed for that day or something, you know. So we couldn't go. And I'm looking for any excuse just to come inside and get out of the heat. Because we didn't have... You, you, like you could play Atari in the wintertime and on rainy days. But like if you were... I don't know how it was in, in Madison, Wisconsin, but... If you were sitting around on a July day and it was less than 130 degrees and you're playing Pac-Man on Atari, you're probably getting, mama's probably beating you with that joystick. You know what I'm saying? Get out of this house. Yes. You know what I mean? Okay. So I'm looking for any excuse to come inside and and I want to watch the games. And and I kept saying to to Dave, my dad, I kept saying, hey, I'm hungry. Is there anything to eat? So finally comes into my bedroom. I'm watching on a little tiny black and white TV with rabbit ears. NFL 82. Richard Todd quarterbacking the New York Jets. I think they're playing the Dolphins because you always got the Florida teams in Orlando. And he's like, hey, hey, man, I know you're hungry. I brought something in for you. Here it is. And I remember this moment like it was yesterday. And it was like Labor Day week in 1982. And he comes in, and it's a uh, blue Tupperware dish with oh, a white no. cover. And he opens it up, and he throws the whole thing, and he just st- puts the whole thing under my nose and in my face. It was the previous year's Thanksgiving turkey that got lost in, a, in the backup freezer and forgotten to throw away. That smell, I will never forget. And I'm just, I'm tapped out. I'm tapped out on leftovers forever since that moment. Yes. That's it. I have a little bit more sympathy now. Do you? Yeah. Now that you know the origin of my psychosis? Yeah. 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 Okay. Up next, uh, Mo Hailstone says December 8th, 2020 is the 40th anniversary of the murder of former Beatles singer John Lennon. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much of an impact on the culture was this event compared to anything else that's happened in your lifetime? I have to ask you, why did you choose this question? How many questions did we get? Oh, like a couple hundred probably? Oh, more than that. Okay. So you had... A bevy of questions to choose from. Yes. Why did you choose this one? Well, it it was... Just for something like said, different, maybe? It, yeah, it's different, okay. and you like the Beatles. Yep. If it been like... Uh, but you, I could have asked a hundred questions like, uh, and I mean it, when do we shoot somebody, okay? <laughs> and they're coming. So we're reason into it, all right? Okay. You're trusting that... It's ask me... Anything you're trusting that Facebook's uh, fact checkers won't keep listening past the quarter hour, and then we'll get to the real questions, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so was it David Curtis Chapman? Is that who it was? Right? Knocked on John Wood. Uh, John wouldn't. Uh, John Lennon's door. Were they on a walk with Yoko? Or was he on a walk? He was on a walk. Okay. Was he on a walk? Okay. Uh, shot him in cold blood. Right. Um. 
I think for a shock factor, I mean, first of all, I was seven years old when this happened. Uh, I didn't know almost anything about the Beatles at all. Um, I heard a lot of what we would call now classic rock music growing up, but my dad and mom were children of the 70s, not the 60s. So I heard a lot more Led Zeppelin than I heard the the Beatles. I got into the Beatles actually in college, but um, I'm I'm sh so I can't really speak to the cultural factor of it. I am sure for 1980 it shocked people that that would happen. I don't know that it would shock us as much. I mean, people would be very very saddened, obviously, right? But I I don't know that it would. It would shock people. Like in, in, in the late 60s, you had, uh, I think, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix all go down at age 27. Didn't, was John Bonham 27 when he choked on his own vomit? The 27 Zeppelin. Club. Yeah, the 27 Club. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. All right. The first time you got up and, and turned on the local radio show and it said, hey, Jimi Hendrix dies of an overdose at 27. That shocked you, right? But then when it happens two or three more times, it just saddens you probably, okay? That event in 1980 probably absolutely shocked people. But given what was going to go down, or given what had already gone down with the hostages, I don't know, man, four or five. But I, I wasn't alive then, so I can't, I can't really say. But in our day and age, the way it would be, I mean, we'd have a whole debate about gun control and everything else over something like this, right? So that was an odd question. All right. Moving on. Maccabeus says, where in the Bible do we find the doctrine of sola scriptura? I, I want to know where in the Bible do you find the word rapture? Where in the Bible do you find the word Trinity? So there are, there, there is, this is where theology comes in. The study of something, okay? And so you have doctrines that are the result of what are called hermeneutics or exegetical conclusions, meaning themes that, you know, that the Bible spells out on a, specific basis and and either in a major way or several ways over and over again that are repeated themes all right so the word trinity is nowhere in the bible and all of our that there's like that one sect of uh pentecostals that are non-trinitarians or if you're lds you're non-trinitarian that you're all like see told you days but Jesus says to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Throughout the New Testament, they are doing that act as well. Okay, so the the doctrine of the Trinity is the result of 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 that which is taught in the Scriptures. And if you looked at throughout the early church, they had a massive debate. By the way, one of the very first heretics that the church ever encountered made the case that. Um, the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament are not the same, uh, that that uh, they dealt with another uh, heresy known as uh, um, Gnosticism, a lot of it claiming that Jesus actually wasn't God. Um, they, they dealt with all of this. So um, Trini the Trinitarian is a term we place on it in order for us to know, here's like when Paul says in the New Testament, here is a trusty saying. 
okay? We use the term Trinitarian as a way to, that, that's a trusty saying for understanding that God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? Um, that, you know, Jesus doesn't use the term uh, Trinitarian, but if you, if, if you want to believe that Jesus isn't actually God incarnate, you have to get rid of like the entire Gospel of John, for example, which most of that is Jesus talking. You have to get rid of most of Jesus' words in one of the entire Gospels. You have to take the epistle of Colossians, which we studied on this show a couple of years ago, right? Or last year. You have to take that entire epistle and throw it away. Now, I'm not really comfortable doing that. Maybe some other people are. I'm not. <laughs> All right? I don't think I have the standing to be doing those kinds of things. Which brings... Now, why did I use this in another context to answer this question? Okay? Sola Scriptura is, uh, is, is similar in nature as a doctrine. And the assertion that, comes out of the, that came out of the Reformation is that ultimately, and, and if you've listened to Todd and I debate this over the years, one of the things that Todd and I both agree on with this question is that Catholics and Protestants are, you know, Marianism, uh, can you lose your salvation? What what um, um, sacraments beyond baptism and communion are necessary, right? There's differences between Protestants and Catholics on the answers to these questions. But the origin of that debate, we believe on our show, is not actually theological. It's ecclesiastical. Meaning that which... Which method you, which process you believe is the ultimate authority for the interpretation and application of the Bible is then going to determine your positions on these things, right? Yes. That it, it's a cause and effect. It's not an effect and a cause. Meaning that if I believe that scripture is authoritative when also interpreted within the context of tradition, or rightly determined determined by church authority, then when tradition and church authority say, this means this, I am going to align with this means this, right? Mm-hmm. If, I don't, if I reject that ecclesiastical authority, and I say scripture stands on its own, okay, then I am going to have um, different interpretations of those questions. And that's really the debate here, is does Scripture stand on its own? So the Bible says so you, about Sola Scriptura, the Bible says about itself that all Scripture is, scripture is God-breathed. If the Scripture is God-breathed, why does it require um, a magisteric bureaucracy to interpret it for me? The Scripture says that I can boldly, and I'm going to give Todd equal time to answer this, by the way. Um the scripture says I can boldly approach the throne of grace myself. Then why do I need somebody to tell me um, what the word of God does or doesn't mean on a corporate level? That doesn't mean I don't require any form of discipleship. I don't require any form of ministering. Um, we all do. But that ultimately I am accountable to God myself. Not through a church association or through any form of a catechesis process. That I am directly accountable to God myself. 
that theme is repeated throughout the scriptures. And so inherent in that assumption by the scriptures is the assumption that you on your own can realize this because it would make no sense to hold you accountable on your own to the grace of God, but then say, but you then need this, these forms of intermediaries in order to understand what that means. The, 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 the individual relationship between us and God is the highest relationship acknowledged in the scriptures other than the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit themselves. Or himself, I should say, properly. So, sola scriptura is, an, is not based on a teaching found in the Bible. It is an assertion based on a based on a repetitive theme of the Bible that God is not um, uh, does, it, it, it doesn't care about uh, station or office. That all Scripture is God breathed, divinely revealed from God. That God appoints and God sets down. That we are directly accountable to God as individuals. And so the Reformation, based on those themes, and there are more examples I could cite, but it's already 22 past the hour and I want to give tight equal time. Based off, off the, based off of those examples, sola scriptura is the trusty saying. Like I said, hey, Trinitarian is the trusty saying based off of a repeated theme in the New Testament about the, the nature of God, right? Sola Scriptura is the trusty saying based off of the repeated theme about what the ultimate authority is. It is God. I mean, Jesus even looks, even if you believe that, that the first bishop of Rome is St. Peter, that he is the rock that Christ builds his church, at one point he looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. That ultimately God is the authority. God's word is the authority. Something has to sit at the head of the table. Either the word of God will or man will. And Sola Scriptura says, based off of repeated themes in the Bible, that it believes that the Bible intends for the word of God to sit there. All right, I'll give you equal time. Go ahead. Uh, well, the Catholic answer and this is a very very short elevator speech because there's a lot of other questions we need to get to but uh both in the book of luke and the book of acts which is written by luke it, it explicitly mentions all of the other things that were uh taught and preached and uh saw uh that's tradition uh and then it also explicitly lays out uh teaching and um leadership institutions um, the, 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 there is the magisterium. So, you know, at, at, that's a, a base to start with. But what I love about this is this is a very a fun and snotty way of a guy who calls himself Maccabeus, which is uh, two, I, of the, two of the Catholic books that are in the Bible. That yes, the I caught that. And so he, I chose not to chase that some, rabbit trail. He's throwing some shade at you uh, uh, that By way. By the way, th is, when does is, when is Hanukkah start? Do we know? Is it underway right now? I don't know for sure. Okay, because that's yeah. obviously a name that has... Yeah that has um harkens back to that period of history as well okay but so yeah i picked up on that but what you should like about steve and he he would agree this is he also asks this and this is a, a favorite catholic way of asking what hyper literalist protestants come back at all manner of christians and where does it say that in the bible well is he as you know steve did not 
cheaply and he almost never does unless he explicitly says this. steve took a very and i mean in the loosest possible way he took a very catholic approach to answering your question i mean it, it's not always as simple as just saying there it is and if it's not right there it's not in there that's that's lazy quite frankly and steve isn't a lazy and uh reader of the bible so you got a really good answer real quick can i follow up on something we talked about earlier I just got a note on MeWe from a Janet Rogers. She says, I just called the Ohio Health Department, and guess what? They had no clue what I was even talking about with a cycle viral threshold for a positive COVID-19 test. So, Yeah, they do. First of all, they lied. They do know. All right? Because they have to have some threshold to know what is a positive test. Okay? We wouldn't, we wouldn't know what is positive without a threshold. All right? So they, 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 they lied is number one. Number two, though... Props to you for already acting on it. But number three, you're probably going to have to go to your board of health. You're going to have to go to have to find a board, a county board of supervisor, because a lot of board of health in the country are administered at a county level. So a county trustee or, or board of supervisor, whatever form you have or call it in in your locale that that is of like mind with you. Get them to use the power of their letterhead, a state legislator that has a power of a letterhead that can get answers to questions and doors to get opened. Those are some of the things you're going to have to probably do if you can't get those answers directly. But props to you, Janet, for already acting on it. Agreed. Well done, Janice. Um, I, I would say one thing regarding that, Steve, they might not actually know what the cycle threshold for this virus is because as I understand it, it's actually left up to the individual lab. And depending on the size of your state, just depending on how many hospitals, large hospitals you have, you may have a dozen or so different standards for measuring this. That's because, a good point. You're because right. this You're has right. never been actually adjudicated mm-hmm. by people uh, who are, you know, accountable to 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 voters and, and things of that nature. So they might not not actually know. That was the point of the the Florida thing is that mm-hmm. they're trying to figure this out so that they can then to say have a uniform standard exactly. Yeah. That's a good point that you made. Um, So I I take that back. Let me reset that. Someone knows. Yeah. Someone knows what the answer is. Someone knows. Or what the answer should be. But well done to already be acting on that. Up next, this is kind of a lengthy question. Uh, Vanessa Mandel says, Hi, Steve. I love your show, but I was very disappointed to hear you went to Disney World with your family and wore masks. I also may have heard this wrong, but I believe that Todd said his kids were attending school with masks. You and your team are consistently talking about the scam of the COVID hysteria and encouraging people to resist. I live in Southern California in a very liberal area, and I'm consistently the only person in every store with no mask, and I endure the ridicule that comes along with it, and so do my children. I'm a single mother that works full-time and now also homeschooling my children because I refuse for them to go to school with masks on. So my question is, where is your fight, or is it all just lip service? It's obviously, if you look at the course of my career, it's pretty obvious this is all a sham. Correct. That I have taken the road less traveled and this is just all for show. I don't mean any of this whatsoever. And I have, I've just made some really poor business decisions by both taking contrarian viewpoints that would not enrich me and went against the grain of what was simple and easy for me to monetize my uh, God-given talent. 
but then I did it at the same time while not meaning it. Which seems twice as foolish. Like it's it's one thing to do something simply just for effect. Not mean it and get enriched by it, right? Like um, we're doing a ex, expo, expository on the book of Acts at our church right now. And so we're coming up to, we came up to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. It's in the middle of Christmas time. That ain't the most uplifting Christmas message. All right. Was the sermon we had yesterday <laughs> where they dropped dead for lying about to the church, to the Holy Spirit about how much they made for selling their property. Love okay. That. Love that story. Okay. Um, imagine if Ananias and Sapphira had lied to the church about how much they had made, but then actually didn't make as much as they didn't even hold anything back. They just lied to lie. Wouldn't that be, then they were still struck dead. Wouldn't that be stupid? Like you lie to gain something, right? Sure. Sorry. So I'll talk more about this on the other side, because it's a great question aside from that though, in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Home Title Lock wants to give you a crash course in home title theft because they don't want this to ever happen to you. Now, here's how this crime happens. The legal titles to our homes are kept online these days where they can be hacked. So cyber thieves, they find your home's title online. Go there, forge your signature on a quick claim deed stating you have sold your home to them. And then they take out loans against your home until your equity is all gone. And you may not even know about it until the collection calls pour in, maybe even an eviction notice or foreclosure notice. You're not protected by your homeowner's insurance, your mortgage lenders. Thankfully, though, Home Title Lock does protect you. And in the unlikely event you become a victim while you're a member of Home Title Lock, they're going to spend up to a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees to help restore your home's rightful title. So right now, go to HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address and see if you're already a victim and then use the code radio for 30 free days of protection. That's the promo code radio for 30 free days of protection at hometitlelock.com. All right, let's get back to our parlor. Ask me anything. And the question that we were asked was, if you want to put it back on the screen, we won't read the whole thing, but basically Vanessa thinks we're all, we're sellouts. Um, to your credit, Vanessa, based on what you have, I'm assuming you're a real person and I'm assuming you have done the things that you claim in your thing you have done. So assuming that you have, I, I will grant some standing to you for asking me this question because you're trying. But in your own note, you said you were the only one. You were the only one. I was the only one too. Even some of the people that right now work very closely with me on pushing back on this. I go talk to my buddy Jordan Schachtel. He thought I was stupid at first. He thought I was way off. Way off. There's no way I could be right on these models and everything else. And everybody was all wrong. I was the only one too. I was out on a limb all by myself. The kind of limb, by the way, that if I'm wrong, 
If I'm wrong about this, that limb breaks and I crash. My career is over. It's done. So, um, I will put my record of pushing back against this up against anybody else's. Because I've I risked quite a bit this year pushing back on it. Could I do more? Certainly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm supplying you guys all the data you need. If you guys, if, if a bunch of Vanessa's around the country want to get together, I'm all in. I'll help you as much as I can. I don't have, you know, somebody sent me a note over the weekend. Hey, you know, why don't you do more organization? I don't have the sized platform to do that. I, I just don't. I, I, my last book before this one, Truth Bombs, I think we sold like 3,000 copies. I mean, Mark, Mark Levin just can put his name on a book and sell 30,000 copies, even if all the pages are blank. I don't have the kind of platform that would organize at that level. But if you guys would like to, I'm all in. A friend of mine... Um, a conservative comedian friend of mine contacted me over Thanksgiving and said, hey, what do we need to start a burn your mask movement? And I told him the number one thing you're going to need because you won't you 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 could not put that group on Facebook. And and me, we doesn't have the user base yet to do it just through a site like that. So if you put that up on a Facebook, hey, burn your mask day is January one, just picking a day. The minute that thing got to 100,000, let alone four, five, six hundred thousand followers in that group, Facebook is shutting that whole thing down. I mean, wasn't it, was it Eventbrite that was shutting down Correct. Trump rallies or something? Stop that. They wanted, it was the, it was the, it was the rally for Trump in DC. Eventbrite shut that down. Facebook shut the group down. So you can't use the massive social media platforms to form this. So what you're going to need is somebody in conservative media, a Limbaugh kind of a character with that level of a platform, that he's the connective tissue for all these people to know, hey, here's how we do this. I'd love it if my show was that. It's not. Ask the people in Iowa. Ask my kids school. Ask them if I have not been enough of a pest on these things. So, I'm not your enemy. If I'm not doing enough, then you're welcome to go find somebody who's doing more. I'm not sure who that is, but go find them. And if you think that I don't believe any of these things, then I would encourage you not to listen and watch. I mean, I don't pay, I don't watch shows that I don't believe the person believes what they're saying. So I respect what you have done, but frankly, I, I would put what I have done on this this year up against any one of my peers, including several friends of mine. Because I went out there and risked my neck on this before anyone else did. 
you're mentioned in here as well. Do you want to respond? I would just say it's not masks all by themselves. It, the reason my kids wear masks at school is that's the only way that, and you realize how we fought about that on this show, to get schools back. And in terms of returning to normalcy, reality, the number of fronts that you have to fight on, it's not just masks. It was way more important and still is in so many parts of the country. We take that for granted here in Iowa. It's it. It would. It was way more important at that time to get kids back in school, even if they were wearing masks. And also, my kid. Listen, my kids are human beings. They're not just widgets who I manipulate and control. You know, they 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 wanted to be in school for really good reasons. They're good students. They're good athletes. They have friends. That's more important in that context than wearing the mask. I fight back on masks in all kinds of ways. Plus, I think I can do. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing in your fence, Vanessa. You can't do what I can do because of what I do for a living. Meaning that I can simultaneously fight back on this while accommodating some of the things for your kids that you just talked about. The Vanessas of the world don't have a platform like this that allows that to yeah. them. So there. So we can we can certainly show some um, grace there, but you, you, I think you should be pushing back on your neighbors. If you're the only one, I don't know what pushing back on me would, would good would do. I get there's plenty of things you can push back on me about. Not going to the wall, not going to the mattresses to stop COVID, panic porn. Dude, I'm the OG man. I'm I'm not sure that's the one. All right, I can I can show you all the red in my ledger. We can do a whole show on that if you would like. But not going to the mattresses on COVID panic porn and COVID uh, fascism and branch Covidianism, that, that you're going to probably want to choose another route to that. Aaron. Up next, BBQ Texan says, what is your Mount Rushmore of Old Testament prophets? That's a, that's a great question. Isaiah has to be on the list. Jeremiah has to be on the list. Um, those are two automatics. There's a dude who I'm not, his name's like Milkiah. I'm going to give him some run. I can't remember his name. I think it's like Milkiah, but he's mentioned in the Jewish history about the moment when the, uh, the Southern King comes up to, to Ahab's Northern kingdom to align in, uh, in a war. And, the the southern king where they still go to temple they still worship in jerusalem like they're supposed to right he's like hey we where i come from we consult like god's prophets to know if we should go to war if this is god's will or not you know and ahab's like well i've kind of killed all these prophets i got one left he's in a dungeon down the street <laughs> all right i can go bring his carcass in here but i'm gonna warn you i he never tells me what i want to hear and so they bring the guy in and he's imprisoned and uh, and they ask him hey Ahab asked him, hey, am I going to go off to war? Am I going to win? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, you've got it going on, blah, 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 blah. And Ahab's like, I know you're lying to me because you never tell me what I want to hear. Don't lie to me. He says, okay. Here's what, I, here's what the Lord, uh, you know, Lord of hosts says. As I see, a sh- I see the sheep scattered when their shepherd is struck down. He's prophesying that Ahab's going to go out to battle, get killed in battle. 
which was, I mean, in the game of chess, why do you protect the king above all else? Because if the king or the general was on the battlefield and the soldiers saw him killed in those times, the rest of the fleet or the, or the brigade would either flee or be scattered or confused about what the chain of command is. And so you're going to get struck down in battle, Ahab, and then you're going to, you're, the armies here of the northern tribes are going to be defeated. That's the prophecy it gives them. And I think that guy's name is like Melchiah or something. So I'm, I want to give him some run because I just love that story so much. So I'm going to put him on there. That's three. And then you guys know my normal routine. I always struggle when we get to the fourth, who it should be. going to go Ezra, right? Um, what about Elijah? Yeah, you got to do Elijah. I knew there was an... Was, well, was Ezra a prophet or was he a teacher? You know what I'm saying? But Elijah, yeah. I mean, Mount Carmel is one of the great moments in all of the Old Testament. That's an obvious one. Like, I'd have committed a, a biblical foul if I did not put Elijah on there. So I'm going to go. And yeah, a lot of people think Elisha was actually a greater prophet than Elijah. But I want to give my boy Milkiah, or whatever that guy's name is, some runs. So he's, he's getting on the list. All right, I'll skip this next one. Let's go to Zwiefer. Was was that one bad? It was just long. Oh, okay. I didn't feel like reading it all. Okay. Uh, Zwiefer says, with the Democrats fracturing and the Republicans being themselves, what are the chances of one or both going to the way of the Whig Party in the next few election cycles? Do you see a chance that the two-party system will be changed if this happens, or will another party fill the vacuum and crowd out all other third parties from once again being viable? I think it's very, very difficult to form an alternative party. We have two factors that you, you mentioned the Whig Party. It was the predecessor uh, to the modern Republican Party. It basically started to die out when the modern Republican Party was formed uh, in Jackson, Michigan in the mid-19th century. There's two issues that are making it very difficult to form, or three, to form an alternative party. Number one, the legality of ballot access. Number two, the amount of corporate money that both of these parties rake in, I mean, they just overwhelm you with that. That's why it's even harder to just, I hear people say, well, take them on in primaries. We've tried that. It's almost impossible. We, we, we tried that all over the country in 2012 and 2014, the Tea Party primary cycles and won very few of them. The third reason and problem is that you can now profit off of partisan political content at a level that you never could before. So person A is a well just blank person A is a is a well-known conservative pundit. They make millions and millions and millions of dollars being that person. Where would they go to sell their books and their shows? And their content for a for a startup. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That that's just not happening. So intellectually, you're going to have a very difficult time getting a hold of the talent because there's I can't monetize. It's it's you know what I would I rather if I'm a sportscaster, would I rather work at a local station in Schenectady or for ESPN? Which one would I rather work at? ESPN. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to get the best talent to stay in Schenectady when there's an option to 
stay in the current paradigm and make an ungodly amount of money while doing so. So legalities, corporate money, and then the monetization of partisan political content makes it very, very difficult to create the atmosphere for a third party, which is unfortunate because the country is long overdue for one. You know, we hear so much these days about the detrimental impact of too much screen time for our kids, whether it's the content online, uh, the shortening of attention span or a loss in creativity. There are better ways for our children and grandchildren to use their downtime. Uh, For example, there's Annie uh, Kit Clubs, which have the perfect Christmas gifts for both boys and girls. They've got the Young Woodworkers Kit Club, a monthly subscription that puts real tools into your child's hands to start using with great great precision and learn what it means to actually work with their hands like previous generations did. Every month, your child will receive an all-in-one woodworking kit. Aaron, this is right up your alley, man. Uh, You're a homeschool kid. You probably got this, I would imagine, back in the day. Uh, and, And the tools kids need to make an awesome woodworking project with minimal supervision. Uh, Annie's Creative Girls kits include two fun craft projects every month, complete with easy-to-follow instructions. Just kickstart your creativity of your daughter with painting, beading, and more. With Annie's Kit Clubs, kids will develop actual skills, mastering real-world building and new crafting techniques while expressing their creativity. If you want to give it a shot, you can save 75% off a great gift idea for your kids and grandkids. 75% off order before December 15th to ensure Christmas delivery. Annie'sKitClubs.com, just like it sounds. Annie'sKitClubs.com slash Steve. That's Annie'sKitClubs.com slash Steve. This is what it's come to. Stuff previous generations just took for granted were part of the growing up experience. We've got a We've got to market it for Christmas gifts now because these things are all lost arts these days. Gentlemen, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, well, you said uh, uh, Wonder Woman. Fun note. Sounds. It, you said it sounds good, huh? What did you I hear? read some reviews over the weekend from early screeners that had, were very, very high on it. Who's, said it was very, very good. Who's the other villain that is played by the guy who plays? Maxwell Lord is is a junior varsity version of Lex Luthor in the DC comics. You know, he's played by the Mandalorian. Yeah, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, he's kind of the another megalomaniac corporate, you know, type, just like Alex Luthor is. Excellent. Yeah. I still haven't seen the first one, by the way. Wow. I need to. You're, you, you, you need to. The first one is a great movie. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. All right, we're going to stick around and do overtime for the rest of you. We are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.